eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Lake Florida, I think most would say, played a pretty good game in the SEC championship game. You know, we talked about it previewing the game that we didn't really expect Florida to, to necessarily win that game. And, and honestly, we, I personally didn't even really expect Florida to be all that competitive. I just thought Alabama was too balanced offensively, you know, too strong defensively. And I, I thought Florida had a lot of question marks. Going into that game, I kind of said, hey, if, if this is a game that people are still watching going into the fourth quarter – to me, that's a success for Florida. I came out of it thinking, yeah, they, they were pretty successful. What was your takeaway from, from the game? You know, I, I was funny. I was actually watching the game, and I thought of your point you made on the last podcast was that if people are still interested, if, you know, if America's still watching in the fourth quarter, you know, then I think that it's, you thought that it was a success for Florida. And, you know, I think that Florida in the beginning of the game, you know, the defense played a little sloppy there. They just had some turnovers, you know, trading interception, he gets hit, you know, and the the ball turns over. Things just didn't really go Florida's way in the first half, at least on defensively. Um, You know, I I think uh, Muamu Diabate had some, you know, some struggles of his own covering Najee Harris out of the backfield. That just seems like the defense really came alive in the second half it really made it to where Florida could kind of crawl back into the game you know they were just a couple plays away and I think that you know I I think the second half was interesting enough to where I think that uh you know sure Florida doesn't have any moral victories you know they they came out and wanted to compete and they wanted to win that game but I think overall you have to be if you're a Florida fan you have to be uh you're not super mad you know obviously you want to win the game but I think you have to have some kind of silver lining there to where Florida was really I mean they went toe-to-toe with Bama and I think they outplayed them in the second half they just didn't make enough plays to get out of that hole that they had put themselves in in the first half yeah I think I think at the end of the day it does kind of depend on your frame of reference you know is your frame of reference coming off the LSU loss uh such that you know oh we're not a very good team yet we still have a long ways to go if that's your frame of reference you look at that Alabama game and say hey we were only six you know six points away from potentially beating one of the best teams in the country, you know, and if, if we call timeout a little bit sooner uh, or, or rather we don't burn a timeout on, you know, a, a two point conversion play, maybe we've got 50 seconds to go the length of the field. And we've seen Kyle Trask do that. Um, you know, to, so I guess it, it does kind of depend on your frame of reference. I, I, I understand how it's frustrating for some people. And I, and I think when you look particularly at the first half, you're talking about defense never got off the field. I mean, you know, they had, what was it? Three or four different series where you're, you're setting up Alabama for a third and long, you got them third and 10, all of a sudden you jump offside because you're late, you know, rotating guys on. 
it was the same kind of issues that plagued Florida. And I think, I think most would agree that the defense played a much better game considering Alabama's talent. You know, they were able to get some stops in that second half to allow you to make it a competitive contest where Florida actually had a shot there late at the end of the game. Um, but the problem is that you knew going in that the margin for error was going to be small, that you couldn't have those mental mistakes, that you couldn't have a situation where, you, you know, you give Bama a chance to convert an easier third down. And we talked about all that going into the game, and I think that's where the frustration is. And I don't think fans are wrong at all for feeling that frustration. I think it's a question that is going to continue to come up, you know, because to me it's more systemic than Florida is really kind of willing to admit, you know, when we've talked about Todd Grantham and the issues getting lined up, you know, the issues playing certain personnel on defense and why didn't it happen sooner that they were playing younger guys. Um, I, I think the, the frustration there is very warranted I just have trouble a little bit, and, and I'm not saying this now to defend Todd Grantham, uh, more so to defend Dan Mullen, of they have kind of taken step-by-step uh, improvements year over year. And I think when you take the, the, the year in kind of the bigger context, I think you've beaten Georgia, you've gotten to Atlanta. Now your guys know what it's like to play in Atlanta. So that's a huge positive. You're going to know exactly what it takes. And, and Not only that, but they know that they can go toe-to-toe. To I mean, it wasn't a blowout loss. I mean, they, they gave Alabama a game. I think know? it's a I think that there's some, Sure, no doubt. And, and I think that's important because I think, you know, when going back to 2015, 2016, when Florida got to Atlanta for the first time and lost, what was it, 29-15, something like that, players admitted openly that they were just happy to get there, you know, coming off of that ugly 2013 season and then kind of just a ho-hum 2014, well, Muschamp gets fired. They admitted that they were just happy to get to Atlanta. And the program that Dan Mullen walked into, that could have very well been the case again. You know, he inherited a four-win team. All of a sudden, he takes them to a 10-win team, then an 11-win team. Um, I I think that there's more positives to take away than negatives. And I I do think – Part of the reason I think that is I think the defensive issues are very addressable. And to me, it's pretty simple. It's, is Dan Mullen going to look himself in the mirror and say, hey, I need to hold my, my coaches on that side of the ball a little bit more accountable? Because Florida's had some poor technique. They've been very undisciplined. At the end of the day, when you're this late in the season and those are still issues, you're still having trouble getting lined up against tempo looks. You know, you're, you're giving up crucial conversions because you're having those issues. You're having communication busts between veterans in the secondary, to me, that falls on coaching. And, Blake, maybe we can shift it, I guess, to talking about Todd Grantham a little bit because I know fans are interested in that. Does he have to go? I mean, I guess, uh, you know, I mean, uh, that's, that's harsh, but that's kind of where we're at. That's the question, I think, that is on the mind of most fans at this point. You know, I think I can make a case for both ways. You know, I think whenever you look at the grand scheme of 2020 – and the fact that there were very limited, you know, defensive preparations, and that's from the spring, that's from, you know, you having to shift your plans in the fall, you know, you, you, you want to limit injuries. There's, there's, there are different ways that I feel like teams as a defensive whole have had to approach things, you know, this season. But in the same sense, I think that a lot of these same teams, I mean, you look at Alabama, sure, you know, they, they have a higher talent level just with, you know, through the recruiting, but they had their struggles in the, you know, the start of the season. For sure. But then I think that as the season went along, you started to see those things get cleaned up. Uh, you know, I don't know that I can really put Alabama's defense, you know, on a measuring stick against Florida's offense because, I mean, they gave up a lot of yards. But Florida's offense is really good. You know, I think that, that that's expected, you know, whenever you have an offense that's as strong as Florida's. But in the same sense, 
it's personnel things. It's lining up things. You know, I don't know if that's Todd Grantham or if that trickles down to position coaches, you know, whether that's, you know, looking at the secondary, if that's a Tory and gray thing, a Ron English thing, but I just think overall, the system, the way they line up, that seems to be a Todd Grantham thing. You know, being seven yards off and giving that inside, you know, cushion for some of these guys and making plays across the middle of the field. Um, you know, that's, I think, a Todd Grantham thing for just the way that they've recruited some guys that are maybe a little bit more of a tweener linebacker that they're trying to put into a spot where you need a little bit more size on you. Is that something that where these guys need to continue to develop and the defense is, you know, maybe in a year where – they're developing guys as they go on the fly and that's, you know, maybe the future will be brighter type of thing. I don't know. So I, I I'm kind of on the fence with it. I don't really that's know. Interesting point. I can Let me think of ways. Let me stop okay. you there. That, that's an interesting point. I do think there's something to be said for the fact that, and we talked about this early in the year because when we were, even before the season started, we were talking about how this defense had the potential to be extremely versatile, extremely confusing. <clears throat> I do think you can make a case that Florida tried to do that and really, tried to basically take the Todd Grantham philosophy of being aggressive and attacking and confusing for offenses. And they tried to take it to the next level by really pressing these edge rushers, you know, uh, putting a, a Diabate more at linebacker when really he's probably best off rushing the passer. I do think you can make the case that there's been some development and Diabate is one in particular that I think I thought he played a really good game. Saturday Definitely. for the most part. And it's, and a, he, it's a tall task to have to cover Najee Harris, who's right. you know, Alabama's he, leading yeah, rusher. I mean, he's really good, you know? He's got speed to go sideline to sideline. But so he did have a better second half, no doubt. He had a better second half. And I think, I think you can make the case that they just miscalculated going into this year with what they – kind of the way they structured the defense, the way they wanted to set it up. And then it probably took too long for them to shift off of it. But having said that, I think that's – that if that is the case, that's an issue that is answerable with recruiting – with getting, like you said, the right guys in there, the right SEC-type bodies at linebacker that you, could, you know, can really go downhill and, and plug holes. I, I think it, you know, that's an interesting point that you made. I hadn't considered it. I think there is some argument that you could fix a lot of this via recruiting. And, again, the, the other thing I'll point to in that sense is Tyree Campbell was one guy. And look at the difference he made on defense. So, to me, that's personnel more so than coaching. Now I'm not saying there's not coaching issues too, because I think there are, there are definitely. And, and but, but to your point, I, I think that's a great point. Is it on individual assistant coaches rather than Grantham? Ultimately Todd Grantham's the guy that's in charge of the defense. And he, you know, he's responsible for that. But I do wonder if, you know, Florida, when they sit back and reflect on this season and look back on kind of how things unfolded the way they did, why they unfolded the way they did, if they don't get to the point where they say, Hey, we miscalculated some things. But if we fix those, we've seen what the upside of a Todd Grantham defense is of, of being able to create some havoc, you know, affect opposing quarterbacks, you know, really be disruptive. Now what happens if we get the right personnel in? We, we develop a little bit better. We have older guys. And we have a non-COVID-19 offseason. I think you can make the case if you're Dan Mullen. And I don't know that he will, maybe. And that keeps me on the fence just because I can see both sides. You know, I can right. see that there are things that could be easily fixable with the same guy that you have the staff continuity of Todd Grantham. But at the same time, I, I see the things that make fans frustrated. I see the Absolutely. things that are still the continuing things that will drive you crazy. And that's where I, I you know, I can, I can make both, I can see both arguments. And I, I don't, I guess I just don't know where I'm at right now. I think that, you know, he has a pretty big buyout. You know, I just think there are a lot of things to where, it, you know, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I think if you're going to get rid of a Todd Grantham, I think you have to have a really good idea of who that replacement's going to be. And I think that, uh, you know, how much he's leaned on the staff continuity, I think that you need to make, you need to be smart with your next move if that's what you're going to do. Yeah. And I, I think that so that's kind of where the issue boils down to me is Dan Mullen has earned the right to 
make this decision. And if he decides to stick with Todd Grantham, that's fine. And he, he will have to understand that the fans are not going to like that decision. And ultimately right. that's going to put more pressure on him and it's going to make it more important for him Definitely. to be correct in that kind of assessment. I think the other thing though, and this is maybe why I think some fans are probably more ready to make the move than maybe Dan Mullen is. It should not be hard to find an elite defensive coordinator that wants to come to Florida to play for an offensive head coach that basically lets you run the defense. I mean, Dan Mullen very much, he will protect his defense if they've been on the field for a while. You know, he's very savvy about playing kind of the, the complete game plan. We've talked about it all year. So he's not a coach that's going to, you know, run an, a tempo offense just to run it, even if that means his defense, you know, is running 90 plays a game because they go three and out a couple times. And, you know, he, he ends up having a coach in an exhausted defense. Uh, Dan Mullen will protect a defensive coordinator, and Florida is a high-profile enough job that if you come in and, you know, you replace Todd Grantham and you really elevate that unit for a year, two years, three years, you're going to get a chance to probably go be a head coach somewhere. So I, I think that's the other case that maybe fans are thinking about is it shouldn't be hard to get an elite defensive coordinator. And, it and there's a lot of head – I think the fact, too, that especially in the SEC East, a lot of head coaches have just been let go that are, have proven to be very, very good defensive coordinators in the past. Derek Mason, Will Muschamp, uh, you know, I think Kevin Steele is available now. There, there's a lot of coaches out there that you can say, hey, that's probably an upgrade from, from Todd Grantham that we've seen this year. The question is, can Todd Grantham, is this year more of the norm than kind of a low point? And that's, that's, that's it's a tough evaluation to make, and Dan Mullen's going to have to make it, understanding full well that if he does stick with Todd Grantham, he's going to really ratchet up the pressure. And uh, quite frankly, there are still some personnel concerns that we've talked about ad nauseum on defense, particularly at defensive tackle, that it's going to make it challenging no matter who's the defensive coordinator next year. You're, you've still got some holes to shore up. You know, you lose a couple of veterans in the secondary. Maybe that's addition by subtraction. You know, we've talked about trying to get the young guys in. But I don't think it's a super clear-cut answer. And, you know, again, who knows? We could be sitting here in 10 days, and, you know, one day after Florida's bowl game, we get the announcement that I grant them taking a job elsewhere or has been let go, and all of a sudden, you know, this whole – frustration is kind of for nothing you know Dan Mullen was never going to fire Todd Grantham in the middle of the season when you're competing for a championship there's no upside to that I mean you don't lose a coach mid-season and somehow get better and same thing for the bowl game I know Dan Mullen was asked on a cotton bowl teleconference the other day you know will Todd Grantham coach the bowl and uh Mullen was like yeah yeah absolutely I mean the thing is they only have 10 days to prepare you know again you're not the only thing he could have done there was maybe let another one of the defensive coaches call the defense and all that does is just create more more talking points to talk about more distractions for the team and I mean if you're focused on winning a bowl game winning your third straight uh, uh New Year's Six Bowl there, there are a lot of things that Florida can get positively out of winning this game and I, I just that wouldn't be the move I would make for sure okay so wrapping it up real quick here on the, the first half of the show I guess um What's your overall feeling of just – I know I know the season's not quite over yet, and we'll get into this more, I'm sure, on the second half of the show. What's your overall feeling about just where Florida is headed at this point? And kind of, I guess, with that, what do you need to see that makes you feel like Florida can actually win one of these title games in Atlanta? You know, I think I need to see the recruiting continue to step up. I know I say it consistently. You know, I feel like I, I'm like a robot now, showing and show out. Getting a couple more of those elite guys – 
um, you know, continuing to be good in the transfer portal because I do think that that is very much something that is going to go hand in hand with recruiting, just the way the landscape is and how much the tra- uh, the transfer portal is trafficked. I just think that those things go hand in hand. Continue to hit your evals in the transfer portal because I think they've done a very good job with that. You know, a guy that you know, like a Justin Shorter, who seems like yesterday's trash at Penn State, has come to Florida and you know, in his in his first year, and and he's I think all things considered exceeded expectations. Um, you know, just continue to land some of those elite recruiting guys, um, you know, because I think that that's really where the staff, if you look as a whole, that's just, you know, the things to where, you know, sure, you can have all the, you know, the talks about Todd Grantham, you know, have all the talks about lining guys up. And I mean, those are fair things to talk about. But I think as a whole, recruiting is what a lot of fans continue to want to see the improvements at. I think continue to add, add some of those elite guys along with the staff who I think is a great, you know, I mean, if you look at from top to bottom from this coaching staff, most of these guys are great developers. I think if you can continue to, you know, why develop a three-star into a four-star type of guy when you can develop those high four-stars into five-stars or those five-stars into, you know, continuing to make them bigger-time elite players. I think that this staff, if they can continue to land some of those big-time guys with how they develop guys and how they, you know, are really smart at football minds, how, you know, Dan Mullen, I think, is one of the best game-playing game-day coaches out there. I just think that continuing to elevate the roster, whether that's, you know, making sure the floor is higher. If you can continue to get that ceiling higher, man, I think this staff, that's what's really going to make them break through the door. Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think – and they're not far away. I don't know if we've talked about this I don't on think the podcast or, or, you know, just kind of on Twitter, but I honestly think Florida's only – two to three of those elite types. Away and don't get me wrong. You have those mistakes, you know, in a season like the LSU game was a step back. How big of a step back that was, I don't know. But I think that the fact that they can continue to still, you know, it's not like they're free falling in, you know, the college football playoffs. I mean, people know that this is a really good Florida team. Their defense is, you know, is hit or miss sometimes. But I think as a whole, I think people respect what Dan Mullen's doing at Florida. I think that, you know, you respect what he's done with the roster as a whole because I think he has transformed and he's made this roster better every year. It's just continuing to get those elite guys, man. And I mean, in his fault, if you're, you know, Florida now, I think the, the class ranks – uh, I think 10 in the nation. Um, I believe that's fifth in the SEC. That's not with me without me looking at the rankings on 24 seven right now that, I mean, a top 10 class in another conference is, is much higher than five. So, I mean, at the same sense, he's at the, you know, the fault of being in the SEC, which is a really big time recruiting conference. You know, it's, 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 there's some unfairness, I guess, in that sense, because a top 10 class would be higher in another conference. But at the end of the day, man, he's in the SEC. He knows what it is. He's at Florida. He has to continue to, you know, kind of keep up with the Joneses, you know, the LSUs, the Alabamas, the Georgias, um, and, you know, even some of these other teams, you know, I, I just think that that's, that's the way they're going to do it. Well, and there's something to be said for consistency too. I mean, you mentioned, you know, Dan Mullen's getting respect from everybody around the country now. Florida as a program is getting respect from everybody around the country now. Three straight New Year's Six Bowls. Did Florida miss some opportunities this year? Absolutely. If they don't lose the LSU game and they play like they did against Alabama, I think you can make a legitimate case that Florida's a playoff team over Notre Dame. Um, so, yeah, there's, there, there's definitely been some missteps, and I understand the angst and frustration that comes with that. You, you'd like to see Florida get there a little quicker because – Again, it feels like they're just on the cusp of being there. But I think if you had talked to fans coming off the Will Muschamp and the Jim McElwain eras and said, hey, you can consistently be a New Year's Six team for year, year after year after year, and eventually you're going to put yourself into a position to compete for SEC championships. If you do that enough times, eventually you're going to win one. You're going to have the right combination of things. But not only that, the, the consistency of the program and that elevated floor that Dan Mullen brought to Florida is going to allow Florida to build the base of a strong foundation for the program. And I think we're starting to see that. When we see the effects of that, 
I'm not exactly sure, you know, because there are still some holes on the roster. We're not seeing it have a huge correlating correlation to recruiting. Um, you'd like to see that strengthen, but I do think there's something important to the fact that Dan Mullen has established a level of consistently competitive play at Florida where you are consistently competing with on the field on game day, Georgia, Alabama, et cetera. There's absolutely ways they can prove. I think recruiting far and away for me is the biggest one. I think in the shorter term, when you're looking at individual seasons, I totally understand why fans are frustrated with Todd Grantham, with the defense, the way it's played this year, because it does frustrating like, to watch too. It feels like the defense cost Florida a, a championship with a quarterback that you may not get for another 10, 15 years at Florida. I mean, what Kyle Trask is doing, you're not going to get that. I don't think for, for quite some time, even as good a developer as Dan Mullen is. So I, it's just a, it's a, you know, it's an interesting year for Florida. Uh, you know, 2020 has been wild for everyone. I, I think there's just as many positives to take away as there are negatives. And, the, and I think there's a lot of both. I, I just feel like Dan Mullen at this point, now going into year four, he's got the right to make those decisions on personnel. He's got the right to decide if he wants to recruit harder or a little bit better than he is right now. And at the end of the day, he's going to have to live with all those decisions. You know, if he, he keeps Todd Grantham around, that's on him. Hopefully that decision would pay off and Florida gets better or, you know, then we're having a different conversation maybe a year from now. But Yeah. And you know what? I kind of go back to, I think it was before the season or earlier in the season that Mullen said that the teams that are going to be successful in the 2020 season are the ones that can adapt. And I just don't know that we've seen that adaption on the defense. You know, you've just seen kind of the same thing each week. And I think that not adapting, I think, is what has held back, you know, what was, like you said, I mean, Florida's probably not going to – Florida fans and Florida in general is not going to probably see a, another quarterback like what they had in Kyle Trask in quite some time. And I, I just think that the lack of adaption on the defense, I think, is what has, you know, kind of, I guess, put some sourness into, you know, fans this season. Well, we'll, uh, you know, we'll talk more about it, I'm sure, in the in the coming days, but – it's kind of interesting this year with bowl season, you know, it's only, I guess it's only nine days now until Florida plays. So a really quick turnaround. It's not even, it's really just going to feel like Florida has a bye week in between the, the you know, a regular season game. Uh, but let's take a quick break, break, Blake, and then we'll come back on the other side and uh, talk about Florida's bowl game. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, let's talk a little bit about Florida's bowl game. You know, we, we talked about it being obviously much quicker this season than normal. Usually you got almost a month off. You get a lot of developmental practices for players to kind of get involved. Maybe the younger guys that played mostly scout team and, and haven't really gotten a chance to run with the starting offense or defense kind of within that scheme. Not going to have that this year at all. Florida is going to take a break 
basically through Christmas, uh, Dan Mullen really stressed that this season has been emotionally and mentally and physically taxing on these players and the coaches as well. So Florida's going to give guys off a couple days for Christmas here. And then when they come back, it's basically four to five practices. And then you're, you know, you're in Dallas at the Cotton Bowl for a matchup against number six, Oklahoma. I guess first, Blake, I wanted to ask you your thoughts just generally on this matchup. What do you like about it? What do you see as potentially challenging for Florida? Uh, you know, I think it's interesting whenever you have two teams that have struggled on defense this year. I think this game kind of jumps out, at least to me, as, as more of a shootout. Um, I think that uh, – what did I look? I, I'm pretty sure the opening line for this game was Florida as a three-point favorite. Um, so I think that uh, that shows that, you know, Florida having – such a high-powered offense, and you know, obviously Oklahoma having one too. I think that it's uh, that, I think that's the line you would expect, just you know, being a closer one. Um, and I, I don't know, I haven't looked as a whole on a lot of the bowl game lines, but I don't know that a ton of them are going to have that big separation. I don't think they usually do, right? I mean, yeah, some do. Just so I hard guess. to predict. I mean. um, but you know, for the most part, I think that uh, just looking at at Oklahoma's schedule, top to bottom, I think that I would favor Florida's probably played a little bit more of a tougher schedule out there. Um, so I do think that they have that in their corner. But you know, I, I can't say that I've watched a ton of Oklahoma to sit there and really know them, you know, from top to bottom. But I just know that uh, you know, they're kind of in the same boat as Florida is. You know, a team that has a pretty strong offense, but just has a defense that you know kind of you know can bite them in the butt sometimes. Yeah, I think. Uh... And the other thing, you know, obviously Kyle Pitts is opting out. If you hadn't heard that already, I'm sure most people have. So Florida's going to be without one of its better weapons, and we're not sure yet. They may have other opt-outs too. I mean, I personally don't wouldn't expect Kyle Trask to opt out. I think that would be the biggest one, you know, if that happened. Um, but you may have guys like Kadarius Tony, Trayvon Grimes, uh, choose to sit out this game. And, and I think Sean Davis gonna... has been hurt too as well, right? Is, yeah, is he's, he... he's hurt. I'm not expecting him to play at this point. Um, but, but, I mean, yeah, so – you know, that's another complicating factor. I, I guess this kind of gets into what I really want to talk about with the bowl game. How much does this game actually matter for Florida? We were talking about it before the show, before we started recording, and I think you had something interesting that Chris Doring had said about this is maybe the most important bowl game of Dan Mullen's career. Yeah, that's what he said, and he said, I'll pull up the quote now that he said, in a preseason, your goals were to get over the Georgia hurdle, to get to the SEC championship game. You did all of those things, but the mind-numbing loss to LSU took a little shine off of those accomplishments. Losing to Alabama in such a close game was great in terms of morale, but I don't think there's, uh, I don't think there's such thing as, as moral victories for the Florida Gators at this time. So you've taken some steps forward, but if you lose the bowl game, that's a three-game losing streak. Now all of a sudden you're finishing the year eight and four. That's a step backwards from where you were. So I don't know that there's been a more important bowl game since Dan Mullen's been in Gainesville than this one that he'll go into against the Oklahoma Sooners. Oh, I, I don't know, Blake. I'll be honest with you. I don't agree with that really at all. Um, I, I get what he's saying. You don't want to lose three straight games going to the offseason. It's some bad momentum. But I think – I go back to the, the confidence that Florida gained from going toe-to-toe with Alabama. From a, from a standpoint of it, the fans, absolutely a three, three, three-game losing streak to end the season would suck. It's not ideal. It's not what you want. You know, it'll, it'll have people thinking more about that Oklahoma loss, you know, dropping that game to LSU, what could have been. But at the end of the day, your program goes in the direction that the players push it forward. And I don't think a loss to Oklahoma in a bowl game – where you're going to have three to four practices, you know, before you play the game, it's really just going to matter that much. You know, I just don't – bowl games in general, I tend to think don't matter a whole lot. You never know who's going to show up. 
You know, it's, it's one of the reasons those lines are so hard to figure out in Vegas. Um, but particularly this season, with just the demental and emotional grind of the way it's happened, I, I just can't I, – I can't get behind the, the statement that this is the most important bowl game Dan Mullen will have. I, I think it's one of the least meaningful games that he'll have. And, yes, Florida would like to go out there and win. You'd like to, you'd like to cap off the season on a strong note. But it's not even apples to apples when you're talking about record. I mean, if Florida goes uh, eight and four, losing to Oklahoma, yeah, you're on a three-game losing streak. But you've played 11 SEC games, including an SEC title game against Alabama. You're going to play the Big 12 champion, Oklahoma. I mean, that is a brutal schedule. So it's not apples to apples with what we saw last year where Florida goes 11 and two. Again, to his point, you actually did get over the Georgia hurdle. So that is not an issue that's kind of biting you in the butt on the recruiting trail anymore. And getting to Atlanta. You got to Atlanta. Your players have experience playing in Atlanta now, which is obviously a huge thing going forward. Because we expect in the next couple of years, Florida will probably be back there under Dan Mullen. So I, I don't agree with that. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't want to undersell, totally undersell it. You know, you want Florida to show up in the game and you want Florida to go out there and hopefully use it as a meaningful opportunity to start to begin the 2021 season. And I think that's something that Dan Mullen has always kind of pointed to when it comes to bowl games. Really, it's the start of your next year. Because in a typical year, you get basically a whole spring practice worth of practices in the bowl game. You get the younger guys involved. Um, I don't – I'll go back to what I said earlier. This feels like a, a bye week before the end of the regular season. It doesn't feel like a bowl. So I just think there's too many different factors this year for me to pin that kind of importance on this game. You know, and I would also argue that, you know, the the Orange Bowl last year I thought was probably the biggest bowl in Dan Mullen's career, at Florida at least. And I say that because you have a really strong first year, you come out and win 10 games. I think that second year of making that jump and showing that jump from, you know, 10 games to 11 games, I think that that was more important than a bowl game in this year. I think you're going to see more guys that, you know, they didn't make the college football playoffs. Are they going to opt out? I think that that's what takes the luster away from the game because, sure, could this be the biggest bowl game in Florida's, you know, career under Dan Mullen? Sure, but is it the same – does it have the same punch, you know, power to the punch if you have, you know, a guy like Kyle Pitts opt out or if there are more opt outs? I mean, it's just not the same Florida team, and I just don't know that that can really be put on the shoulders of Dan Mullen, you know, another player or person making a decision on their own, you know. If Florida doesn't have all their fire, and you know, and I'm getting again, I'm just speculating here. I'm not saying guys are going to be opting out, mm-hmm. but I think if you do have those opt outs, I mean, if if you don't have the same pieces on your offense that you've had all season that's made you strong, I mean, is it really the same type of offense? Is it the same Florida team? And I, I would argue that it's not. And I think that that takes away the shine of that bowl game too. No, I agree with that. And if we're talking about most important bowl games, why not let's just rewind two years to the Peach Bowl against Michigan? I mean, sure. Florida had a good season. I mean, they had they had won nine games. So you, you've clearly made a turnaround from the four and seven, but I think that bowl game going in, and I'm not even going to use hindsight the way it turned out, but going into that game, this is a Florida team that had the year before lost to Michigan in embarrassing fashion, got pushed around on both sides of the ball. And you look at that. And if you're talking important bowl games for Florida to be able to go into that game and really be bought in uh, and, and be able to know that it, ha- it would have to be physical. It would have to execute well going into that game and, and, really for the first time in a while, having a chance to win something important, something meaningful. I thought that was a big, big game. And I, and again, I just, I, there's so many extenuating circumstances this season. I just don't know what, you know, let's say Florida wins, Florida loses. I mean, does it really matter? You know what I mean? Change? Like what, what, what does it change anyone's perception of the program? Does it make people put Dan Mullen on the hot seat or something like that? Absolutely not. You know I mean? Florida's going to have 
all these pieces coming back from next year, they're going to have to figure out some new pieces too. Again, like you said, I think that bowl games in this day and age, now you've got the early signing period now. So it kind of takes the luster away of teams that are watching how the bowl game fares for the most part. I mean, most of these guys, if they're, if you're going to base your decision for a recruiting standpoint on a game, it's not going to be the bowl game because most of these guys are signed anyway. So again, like, who does it matter to, you know? I mean, sure. Do coaches want to win games? Do they want to have, you know, would Dan Mullen love to go in there and say, I've won three straight, you know, New Year's Six Bowls? Absolutely he would. But if he loses, it's not like anyone's going to be ready to fire him. So I guess I just don't, I don't agree either because I don't. I I, I do think there's something to be said for sure. the fans. The three-game losing streak, I'm the, sure. The no fan, fan And, and if it plays out the way it could, you know, where Florida loses, we're, if Florida loses, look, we're going to assume that the defense had a bad day, you know, and wasn't able to stop them. I mean, Yes. Well, there were opt-outs there, in the offense. There were opt-outs on offense, and the offense isn't as sharp. Okay. But I, I guess the fans could ratchet up the pressure considerably on the Todd Grantham decision if they lose a third game and Oklahoma goes up and down the field. On now them. that I can I see happening. That. I get that. But I don't think that that – I think that's going to be something that's a topic either way, regardless of this game. So, yeah, it could intensify the pressure on Dan Mullen to potentially make a move at defensive coordinator if Florida loses this game. I totally – I agree with that. And if Florida comes out sloppy and, and isn't really focused, that's the only real thing that I see as a potential impact on this game. Otherwise, like you said, I, I think that, that, you know, just being able to get to Alabama, being able to beat Georgia, those are significant steps. And I think that I don't sense at all from the players that they're, like, checked out or anything. I, I think these players are ready to actually win championships. And we were talking to uh, Mahmoud Diabate after the game on Saturday, and he said, he said, man, we're starving to get back here already. Like, he was ready to get back out on the practice field and just start working to get back there next year. I think that's far and away the larger takeaway from this season. Yes, you want to win the bowl game. But, I mean, I just personally – remind me of this 10 days from now if Florida loses – and I'm like uh, going ham on the, you know, all the things that went wrong. I just don't think, I just, it's hard for me to pin too much importance on it. Just, I'm in the same boat. And I, I think it's more just, there, there's some window dressing to the game if they win. Sure, you can talk about those things with recruits. You can talk about those things to the media. You can talk about those in any any sense. But I don't think anything's going to change win or lose in the, in the big picture of things. Other than I, I do think you make a good point. You know, if there's a, a struggle for defense on the day, I think that that could heat up even more, you know, that the echoes of Todd Grantham talk. I think that that's really the only thing I could see being any, any point meaningful in this game. Other than you sure that I'm not saying they don't want to win or they don't care about the bowl game, but I, I just think from the big picture, those that's the, probably the only talking point there could be. Yeah, for sure. All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode of the podcast. We're going to take a couple days off as well. It's been a long season for us too. So we'll be back on the other side of the Christmas break, you know, kind of giving you an idea what Florida's week will look like in terms of practices leading up to the Cotton Bowl. We do want to encourage everybody, if, if you like the podcast, you like what we have to say, you think for whatever reason that we have insightful opinions on Florida football, uh, make sure you kind of interact with us on the show. We have a five-star mailbag feature that we, we didn't do today because we didn't get any questions. Uh, but we have a five-star mailbag feature where you can go on iTunes. If you leave us a five-star review and leave a question for us to answer on the podcast in that review, we will tackle those questions on the next episode of the podcast. So be sure to do that. If there's anything on Florida football that you're kind of wanting to know about, Blake and I would love to get direct interaction with the listeners and we'll be happy to answer on our next episode of the podcast. But until then, that's going to do it for us today, guys. Thank you for tuning in.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.